Today, I'm going to bring you 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, and I'm going to read it to you. But as I read um, um, the chapters, maybe I'll tell you about the maps first, but as I read the chapters, I, I, want, to, uh, I want you to read it with one thing in, my, in your mind. What was Paul going through when he wrote this chapter? I want you to feel Paul. What was Paul going through when he wrote this chapter? Is that okay? So before I read, and I'm going to leave that question with you, a map is going to come up. Um, and as you can see, I believe it's on my left. It's going to be Asia Minor. So this is a modern day Turkey, Asia Minor. As you can see, the seven churches are over here. So we've already finished the seven churches with the last church being Laodicea. And now we're going to cross the Aegean Sea all the way into uh, uh, Macedonia or modern day Greece. Um, and this is where you will see the, the city of Philippi, the city of Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, and Corinth, right? Another map is going to come up, a, a, a more zoomed in map of just Macedonia and Greece. Um, a bit of context so that when you read Thessalonians, you would understand the historical context of this book. Um, so if you go home on your own accord, at your own time, read Acts chapter 16, 17, and 18 for the full version of this context, all right? So I'm just going to summarize it up. So in the, in the book of Acts, you, you would know that God called Paul to Macedonia. So he called Paul, he said, Paul, Paul, would you go to Macedonia and preach the gospel to the people in Greece, uh, Greeks, right? So Paul then landed on Philippi. Then Paul says, okay, he, he, he converted uh, uh, um, many people in Philippi, but uh, a notable uh, character is, is Lydia, and she's from the church of Thyatira. It's, it's, it is said that she could be the one who founded the church in Thyatira, right? But anyways, if you remember the church in Thyatira, but okay, so he was in Philippi, and he was, Paul was greatly persecuted there. Read Acts chapter 16. He was put in prison. He was beaten. He was flogged. Then he, he, he got out of prison, and then he went to Thessalonica, in Thessalonica, he also preached the gospel, but there he also made strong opposition. He was also flogged. There was a riot. It says, Paul, we want your head. We want your head. And then Paul had to flee the city. He fled to Berea. There he also made strong opposition. So he fled down south to the city of Athens. He stayed there for a little while. And there he also made a, a little bit of opposition. And then he resided in the city of Corinth. And in the city of Corinth, it is said that that is where Paul wrote most of his letters. And he, he anchored himself in the city of Corinth and then he sent his letters out uh, in, in, into all the other cities um, uh, to say, hey, you know, I encourage you here, I encourage you there. And he sent First and Second Thessalonians to the church of Thessalonica, and we land ourselves now in chapter 2. So as, you, as we read together chapter 2, bear in mind, ask yourself, what was Paul thinking and going through as we read this chapter? Is that all right? So read it with me. The scripture will come up on the screen. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostle of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. Verse 7. 
but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. I entitled my sermon today, When Life Throws Stones. When Life Throws Stones at You. Where did I get this title? You so when I read this chapter, chapter two, I can almost feel Paul. Let me give you an example of what he, he went through. He starts this chapter by saying, you, you know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. Anybody who starts this chapter or a letter like this, you immediately know that people were saying, Paul, you're, you're such a failure. In modern language, Paul, you're such a loser. You're such a, you're, you're, you're such a failure. You're a loser. Go home, all right? And then in verse 3, it says, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. You can almost hear the slander that Paul went through, right? Paul, you're, you're, you, you have, your doctrine is wrong. Your theology is wrong. Who, who in the world is this Jesus Christ? What are you talking about, Paul? It says, Paul, you've got impure motives. Well, where are your motives coming from? Are you selfish? Do you have evil desires? Are you trying to trick us? And Paul had to defend himself. So this whole chapter two is like Paul defending himself to says, hey, you say this, I say this. You say this, I say this. You say this, and then I say this. So I want you to feel the heartbeat of Paul. And I got this title because Paul went through a lot of slander and accusations. Paul went through a lot of lemons thrown at him. You know, when life gives you lemon, Paul endured a lot of stones thrown at him. And I point out 15 ways Paul was slandered and accused. 15 stones thrown at Paul in this verse. And it's gonna come up on the screen and I'm gonna run through it. It's all taken from the verse. And the first two is from the book of Acts, actually. The first two, it says, Paul says, I suffered in Philippi and Thessalonica. It's true. The stones thrown at him was literal stones. He was beaten, flogged. He was, he was thrown in prison. Now, how many of us have, can even say that? In our walk with Jesus, we've been thrown in prison, we've been flogged, we've been beaten, and somebody actually threw an actual literal stone at you. I, I, I'm going to pray that nobody will experience any of this in our lifetime or any other lifetime, but Paul did. And I'm going to run through the, the rest of the 13. They accused Paul of being a false teacher. You're a false teacher. Or impure motives. You're using trickery. You're like a magician. You're trying to trick us, Paul. You're tricking us. And then it says, in verse 4, it says, you're sent by your own volition. You, 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 you sent you. Nobody sent you. The apostles didn't send you. Jesus didn't send you. God never sent you. You sent you. Whose authority are you coming to talk to us from, right? Verse 4, you're coming here to please people, right? You're not, you're not here to uh, please God. You're here to have fame and to be recognized and to be famous all across the world, right? You're here for your own self. Verse 5, it says, mere flattery. You're, you're here in order uh, to flatter us, to sweet talk us, to be so eloquent so that we can believe you. Why do we want us to believe you? For your own greed, because you want money from us. 
always about money. You want money about this, you want money to do this, you want money to do this. It's all about your own greed, Paul. Verse 6, it says, you're looking for praise from men and you came from your own authority again. You're here for recognition, fame, and popularity, Paul. And then it says, verse 8, you're here to use people. You're here because you're lazy, verse number, verse 9. You're here to leech off people. You have no job. You're just here to, 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 to leech somebody's food, somebody's clothing, and somebody's shelter over your, over your head. And, and come on, man, Paul. Come on. Stop doing this to us, Paul. They're slandering Paul. And lastly, um, verse 10, and I believe this is the worst one. Paul, you are corrupt and you're common. Hear it. Because verse 10, it says, Paul defends himself by saying, Church of Thessalonica, you are my witness. And he invokes God's name. He says, God is also my witness that he is holy, righteous, and blameless. Why? Because I can almost hear the slander. People are saying, Paul, you are just like the other pagan prophets out there, right? You're corrupt. You use people for money, and then you have your sacrifices, and then you do all sorts of immorality in the temple. You're common, Paul. You're just like everybody else. The gospel of Jesus Christ is common and corrupt, just like you, Paul. You know, when, when you read this, <clears throat> you can almost feel Paul's discouragement. Have you ever felt that way? When life throws stones at you, when you want to do something good, when you want to do something for Jesus Christ, and then you're met with strong opposition, false accusation, and slander in your face. If you've never been through any slander or false accusation, I'm sure in the year 2020 and year 2021, during the year of COVID, I'm sure life has been difficult for a lot of you. Life has thrown stones at a lot of you. You know, I read, I've been reading a lot um, that the case of depression among children having online classes and their parents having to work um, from home in their screens, the whole family on their own screens, there's five devices on at the same time at home. The depression among families uh, uh, is increasing. The stress, the father needs to earn money. The mother probably also has to earn money. And everybody's just confined in a 900 or 1,000 square feet home. Uh, you have so close contacts. You can't go out. You can't breathe. There's no air. It's like confined in a prison. The stress, right? Do you know that I also read that the suicidal rate has gone up in 2021. And the age of suicide has also gone down in 2021, both very scary numbers. But you know, as I speak a lot to our, um, our church members, and I want to keep all names anonymous here, that there are a lot of tension in relationships. And I don't blame anybody that families uh, who contracted COVID and maybe the father and mother also lost their job in this time of COVID, the stress of knowing how and when to put the next bowl of rice on your table for your family, but at the same time, you're going through COVID-19 and you have to be quarantined. Man, how do you go through, when life throws you stones, life gives you lemon, that is, that is tough. I, I also know loved ones who passed away because of COVID-19 and, and it's, you can't bury them. You can't really see them for the, very, uh, for the last time. And it, it, it's just sad. And how do you pull through? So, so my heart really goes out, um, especially to our church but not just our church, to everybody going through a very hard time this year and last. So I entitled my sermon, When Life Throws Stones at You. You know, when Paul goes through the 15 points of stone thrown at him, how did Paul get out of it? How did Paul move on? And I throw three lessons we can take home from this book. 
All right, for when life throws you stones, say it with me, look backwards, look upwards, look forwards. Look backwards, look upwards, look forwards. Or in other words, get up, look up, don't give up. Say it with me, get up, look up, don't give up. Point number one, look backwards. How do I know? First Thessalonians chapter one, verse two and three. See, Paul says, we always thank God for all of you. Then he says, very importantly, we continually remember. When, when, when Paul read all these slanders and riots against him, I bet he feels discouraged. But he says, we continuously remember. Remember what? Remember the work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. He continuously remember. He says, oh, God called me for this, and, and is all my work in vain? Everybody's accusing me of it, of, of all these crazy things. But no, it's not true. I remember that you worked in faith. You were prompted by love, and you endured in your faith because you hoped in Jesus Christ. He remembered. You know, one of my favorite Psalms um, in this whole time is Psalms 51. Psalms 51 says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And I say that to myself, I, I catch myself saying this to myself almost every day now. Restore unto me, God, the joy of my salvation. Why? You know, when I was younger, when I memorized Psalms 51, when I was reading through it, I think I was age 23 or 24, I read through it and I, I'm always stuck at this verse. It says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. What does it mean, God? What does, it, does it mean I've lost my salvation? It doesn't mean I've forgotten you. How can I forget you, God? Right? Does it mean what? I have no more joy? Bear in mind, I was a young kid, but now I'm 37, and all those years later, I go, wow, this verse rings even more true today because when life throws stones at you, sometimes we can forget our joy in God. Sometimes we can forget our joy when we first experienced God. When Jesus first spoke to you, do you remember? When you first received Jesus in your life, you, you were nervous, your heart was beating, you were excited, but also not too sure at the same time. You were confused, but yet you want to praise Jesus at the same time. And God is saying, remember that? Remember that you went to bed with a smile on your face? Because life may be difficult, but you smiled because you know that Jesus is with you. I encourage you today, be the Psalms 51 and ask God, restore unto me that joy of my salvation. It's not that you've lost your salvation, but it is that you've forgotten your joy in God because life is difficult, life is tough. As what I've all mentioned just now, life is difficult. But today, remember those times. Remember the times that you got excited reading the Bible, that when you prayed a simple prayer, like God heal me of my headache and the headache just went away. Do you remember that? Remember all those times where God grant you small little blessings here and there. Remember that you were so excited to go to church. Do you remember? And, and you want to sit in church and, and raise your hands and the worship comes on and, and the music is awesome and then the, and the preacher is preaching his heart out and the word of God, you can't remember who's preaching, but you, all you remember is that the, the Holy Spirit impressed upon your heart something and you, you cried or you laughed and you raised your hands and, and you thank God. Remember those times and encourage yourself in God. That's number one. Number two, I, I draw here from 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. Not only do you remember, but you also thank God. See, Paul says, and we also thank God continuously. See, again, he continuously remember, and now he continuously thank 
God. He says, I, I will remember all those blessings. Now I'm going to thank you, Jesus. We have a heart of gratitude. He says, Jesus, you are still my God. You are still my King. You are still on the throne. My future is still in your hands. You still love me. You still care for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with me, not against me, that you are in my life and not out of my life. Continuously thank him. But I love this the best. It says, Paul, uh, sorry, 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 7. It also says, Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Paul encouraged himself in his brothers. He remembers, he looked backwards. He remembers the blessings, the joy of his salvation. He thanked God and that he encouraged himself in his brothers. Get a group of friends in the church. Join a connect group. At the end of this, there's a number that will come up. Connect with us. And then we would encourage you. We would pray with you and say, hey, you are not alone in this race, in this fight. Keep on going. Just keep swimming. That's point number one. Paul looked backwards. But point number two touched close to my home, to my heart. Paul looked upwards. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4, he says, and he starts a whole book by saying, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Very important. He has chosen you. Now, if, if the whole book of Thessalonians is just that verse, I think that's good enough. He, God, has chosen you. We look upwards for our purpose in life. To know that God chose you. Do you remember? Do you, do you know why couples, when they want to get married, the guy will get on one knee, will propose, and then the girl will say, yes, right? <laughs> or yes, uh, what took you so long? Or yes, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever emotions, right? Do you know why that's such an exciting, we want to capture that moment? Why? Because the guy is telling the girl that out of the three and a half billion girls on this planet, I chose you. Will you marry me? And the girl's excited. And the girl says yes. And the guy is waiting, anticipating for that yes. Why? Because he wants to hear out of the three and a half billion people on this planet that she chose him. And she says yes. That's why it's such an exciting moment. It's the same thing. God chose you. The, the author and the creator of the universe chose you for a time such as this. You could have been born in the 1700s. You could have been born before Christ was born. You could have been born during the time of Noah and then you had a decision to make, get on the, get on the ark or try to, try to swim, right? The flood, right? You could have been born. But no, God says, I chose you to be born in, in a time such as this for a reason, to go through what you're going through for a reason. What is that reason? What is that purpose? It's beautiful. Paul then starts this way, and then he almost ends it with 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, He encourages you, comforts you, and urge you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and glory. See, God not only chose you. See, it's easy. I choose you and then do what? 
God says, I choose you. And now I'm calling you to come into the kingdom and glory of Jesus Christ. Your purpose should always be bigger than this life. Your purpose should always be anchored in Jesus Christ as we look upwards and says, God, you chose me and now you called me to be part of your kingdom. You see, if you put your purpose in your job during this time, and if you lose your job, yes, of course, you will be utterly dismayed and destroyed because your whole identity was built around your job. But God is encouraging you today, don't worry about your job. Put your purpose beyond your job in something greater and bigger than your job. That is Jesus Christ. And He will provide everything that you need in Christ Jesus because you put your hope in Him. If you put your hope in health or in wealth and you've lost both in, in, in last year and this year, God is saying, now it's time. Don't put your hope and your purpose in health and wealth. Put your purpose and your hope in Jesus Christ, something greater, the kingdom and the glory of God. Today, I want to encourage all of you to not forget your purpose. And you always, you know, when, it, you know, when this word purpose comes up, we always have this, cons the concept of purpose that our purpose is, must be like Paul, to preach the word of God to all the known world and to write like a thousand letters that will constitute of the New Testament. That was Paul's purpose. If, if my purpose don't line up with Paul's, then I've got no purpose in this life, right? And we always want to say, no, no, no. I'm called to be like Abraham. My purpose is like Abraham, to be the founder of the faith, right? To go out into the land of Ur, right? To found the faith of Judaism and to sacrifice my son or not sacrifice my son. That's my purpose. Uh, or Moses to call the people out of Egypt, right? That's my, we always think purpose is this big grand picture. The answer is yes, it is a great big grand picture. But the answer is also no, because don't worry about the big grand picture when you cannot even take the next step in your life, the next small step. Sometimes our purpose is anchored in our role as a mother at home. And during our time that is really tough, that your purpose is to pull the family together, to encourage the family. Maybe your purpose is to be a father, even though your job is stressful and tough, but also to be there for your children, to be there for your wife. That is also a purpose. Maybe your purpose also could be found in your job that somebody's going through a very hard time, depressed, maybe even suicidal. Your purpose is to just say, I want to pray for you and let me tell you about Jesus Christ. That could also be your purpose. Maybe your purpose could be reaching out to a foreign worker. You know, purpose is one small step at a time. And then maybe at the end of our lives, we will look back and we will see the grand picture the painting that God has painted your life on a beautiful canvas. But for now, take that one small step of purpose and says, God, what is my purpose today? How do I live my life worthy of your calling today? I want to encourage you with, with many stories that encouraged me last year and this year, and I hope it will encourage you. Do you know, um, and the young adults, we know of people going through real, true depression. They're struggling to wake up. They're struggling to eat. And they've lost their way and they've lost their purpose. And they're struggling with their mental and emotional state. And as, as a young adult pastor, I go, how do we help so many people? There's only, you know, I'm, I'm finite, you know, I'm not, I'm finite. And one day, I got a call from this young adult leader and says, don't worry, um, God inspired me this morning 
to, uh, when I woke up, God inspired me to say, I'm going to take a few cases off your hands and I'm going to pray with them every morning. I'm not a counselor. I've never been trained. But all I know and all I can do in this difficult time is just to pray with them every morning. And I go, wow. I, I ended a phone call. I remember and I, I sat back. I go, wow, God, you answered my prayer. You answered the person, the victim's prayer. And, and you answered the leader's prayer. You answered all prayers simultaneously. And I go, wow, what made this leader just suddenly get inspired every morning for six months to pray with this person every morning? And I believe uh, this case is resolved. I believe so. What? I believe it is purpose. This, 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 this leader didn't say, my purpose is to save the world. I want to be a Billy Graham. No, this, this leader says, my purpose is to wake up every morning, 9 o'clock a.m., give her a call and pray. That's purpose. I want to encourage you with one more story. During this time, you know, many people have lost their job. So I heard of a, a one foreign worker, a Christian foreign worker, um, who attends um, our church on and off, lost his job, um, lost a job because you are foreign status, uh, you are unable to pay rent, and it's going to be kicked out, uh, evicted from the home, and have no place to go, no place to live, no job to have, and nobody will hire. And I had just this young adult one day just called me I, and just said, I randomly met this person one day in the street because I was walking on the street. I randomly met this person. And I tell you what, I felt this burden by God to just collectively call one or two more young adults to help sponsor this person, give him a little bit of food, uh, sponsor his rent for one more month, and to help him get an air ticket to go back to his family back home. And I, I remember after the phone call, I was like blown away. I was like, wow, wow. God, you not only answered my prayer, you answered his prayer, and you answered all, all, the, all, all the young adult prayer. I mean, I, I was blown away. I was like, wow. And, and, and I believe he's safe back home now, and the story was closed, and I have a lot of pictures. I wish, I don't want to put it up because it's anonymous, but I want to encourage you that you can find your purpose just by taking one small step of faith, one step at a time. Don't worry about the big picture. Don't worry about the, what, what God's calling you to do in the very big picture. Faithfulness is in a small step. So I want to encourage you by saying to you what Paul said to the church in Thessalonica. You are chosen by God. God chose you. Put your name there. God chose you, Adam. God chose you, Eve. God chose you, Peter. God chose you, Paul. God chose you. And God called you into his kingdom and his glory. And you will wake up every morning now having the joy of salvation and also having a purpose to wake up. Look backwards, look upwards. And the third point, look forwards. And I want to end with this. Do you know which is the first book Paul wrote in the New Testament? Pop quiz. Paul wrote many books, right? Which is the first book Paul wrote in the New Testament? You, you may have already guessed it. 1st Thessalonians. He wrote 1st Thessalonians first. And in his first book that he wrote, he listed down in 1st Thessalonians and in 2nd Thessalonians. In 1st Thessalonians, people attacked his identity. People attacked who he is. You are a false prophet. You are a liar. You are a trickster. In 2nd Thessalonians, people attacked his doctrine. 
what he was preaching. You preach the wrong things. This doctrine is wrong. This theology is wrong. People attacked what he was saying. People attacked who he is. And I find it so interesting because when he's, he was embarking on a great big adventure for Jesus Christ, and at the start of his adventure, he got th stones thrown at him. Could you imagine if he stopped and he gave in to his discouragement and he says, you know what, Jesus, all right, I've, I'm going to throw in my towel. When people throw stones at me, I'm going to throw in my towel and says, okay, that's enough. I, I, that's all I can take. I can't take anymore. That's it, Jesus. I give up. Thank you, Jesus. Take my life now. I want to go to heaven. That's all. That's all I have to live for. Can you imagine if he said that? We would never have the New Testament. You know, many people, many churches will not be birthed because he preached the gospel. Many lives would not be, have been impacted because he preached the gospel. We would not have so many good doctrines because God downloaded so many good doctrines into his heart to, for, to, to be penned down, to be now the Bible. Paul never understood his legacy because of course he passed away before. He understood that he contributed, what, 70% of the New Testament? He didn't know that. Paul didn't know that he birthed so many churches. Paul doesn't understand at that time that today we are reading his work and our lives have changed because God changed his life. Paul didn't know. He just kept a good faith. He finished the race and he fought the good fight and he took one step at a time and he says, God, I'm going to trust in you today. I'm going to trust in you today and I'm going to look forward to the purpose that you have in my life. I want to encourage you today that you may not be able to see one month ahead, one year ahead, 10 years ahead. Don't worry. See today. Have the faith today. Don't give up. Don't give in to the discouragement of the enemy. Don't give in to the discouragement of this life. Don't give up on your faith. Don't be dry and backslidden. Come back to God and realize that you have a story to finish, that when God chose you, when God called you, that God is not done with you yet. You have a story to finish. And I cannot wait to see how God can use you, like how God used uh, this young adult leader to call so many people every morning to pray for them out of the depression and, and suicidal thoughts that they have. That may be you. That may be you preaching the gospel to a foreign worker, to your guards, to, 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 to your colleagues, to your family. That could be you, that God wants to use you. You have a purpose. You are chosen. You are called. And your story is not finished yet. I want to end with this story. It was a real story. Many, 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 many years ago, I read, I read this article in the paper. And it says that there was this girl, she was suicidal, she was depressed, she was suicidal, and she wanted to end her life. So she, in, in, in the midst of winter, she walked to a bridge, and the bridge was not very high, the bridge was quite low. So she thought to herself, if I jump and the fall to the river don't kill me, the hypothermia, my hypothermia will kill me, right? Because it's such a, it's, it's winter and it's really cold. So she stood at the bridge, she stood on the bridge and she said, oh, should I jump? Should I not jump? And she's decided, okay, you know what? This is the end of my life. I've given up. I give in. I give up. This life is too difficult. Too many stones are being thrown at me. So she jumped. 
when she hit the water. Coincidentally at that time, there was a man who stepped on the bridge. The man saw her jump into the water and thought, oh my gosh, I gotta save her. So the man yelled, help, help. But it was, a, it was dead in the middle of the night. There was nobody around. So the man says, okay, it's gotta be up to me. There was nobody to help us, it's gotta be up to me. So he, he stood on the rail and he jumped. When he jumped, he remembered something, that he cannot swim. Actually, he can't swim. So he, it's too late, he's jumped, right? So he jumped, he hit the water, and then he panicked. He goes, oh my goodness, I can't swim, right? Then he started going, help, help. He started yelling, help, is anybody out there to help me, help, help. The first girl who jumped because she was suicidal heard his cry. It was not very far from her. She, she heard the cry in the dead night of winter. She heard somebody yelling, help, help. And then she said, oh, the voice is coming from this direction. I'm gonna swim. She swam to him. She held on to him because she was, she was a good swimmer. And she pulled him ashore, called for help. The ambulance came. And when the ambulance arrived, and the, and, 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 and the reporters arrived and they took their story and they, they were amazed. And then they, the story of how the girl wanted to kill herself, the guy jumped to save her, but ironically, she saved him. The end of the story, the reporter wrote, what do you think saved this man? Was it his forgetfulness that he forgot that he couldn't swim? Was it the fact that the girl knew how to swim? Strong swimmer saved him? Was it the fact that they both didn't die because of the cold? Maybe it was a stroke of luck? What saved this man? The last word, purpose. The girl who lost hope and given up on life, finally had a purpose to live, saw a dying man, saved him purpose saved his life, just as yours. Purpose will save your life. So I want to encourage you today, if that is you, and you're on the verge of giving up, you're on the verge of giving in, you're on the verge of leaving the faith maybe, you're on the verge of saying, this life is too difficult for me. You're on the verge of asking God, why God did you have to throw and give me so many lemons and throw so many stones at me? Why? Why God, why? I wanna encourage you today to find your purpose, to find your joy, and to find your future and destiny in Jesus Christ. I wanna speak life into you. I wanna say that you are chosen. You are called by our almighty God, Jesus Christ. He gave you life, He gave you sozo, He gave you a purpose, and you have a destiny in our Lord Jesus Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of men can ever pluck me from His hand till He returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ, I stand. Can we all rise to our feet to sing this final song in Christ alone? Hallelujah. Thank you for that amazing worship. Thank you, Jesus. 
Father God, I just want to thank you, Father God. In the name of Jesus, I just want to pray for strength. I want to pray for, for everybody, Father God, in this season who feels that life is difficult, who feels discouraged, who feels disillusioned in this time, Father God. In the name of Jesus, even though there's a thousand stones thrown at them, Father God, but by the blood of Jesus that you will repel every single stone, every single arrow thrown by the enemy, Father God, that you will return back to the enemy sevenfold, Lord Jesus Christ, that you will cover every brother and every sister of mine in your blood, that you will protect their minds, you will protect their hearts, and you give them the joy of their salvation. You will install in them your purpose in their life, Father God, and you have a destiny for them. I just wanna thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you hold them in the palm of your hands. So Father God, separate us now with your, with your blessing, with your favor and with your face that will shine upon our lives, Father God. May you watch our going in and our going out. And may you grant us shalom. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.